This is Transistor, a science series from PRX. I'm Genevieve Sponsler, and we're about to take you inside an archaic machine and a way of living that these days is on the brink of extinction, the iron lung. If you were a kid in the 1950s, the iron lung was the dreaded symbol of polio. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit. Julia Scott reported this story in 2013 for PRX's Open Call STEM Story Project. When tornadoes roared across Oklahoma earlier this year, Martha Lillard waited out the storms lying in her iron lung, an airtight steel tank that weighs 800 pounds. It's like being in a coffin, basically. My face isn't covered, but the lights are out. You're in the dark. Lillard couldn't have left the iron lung behind even if she'd wanted to. Her clunky breathing machine keeps her alive. But she had another problem as twisters knocked out power around Oklahoma City. The massive tank respirator runs on electricity. No power, no respirator. My name is Martha Ann Lillard. I live in Oklahoma, and I'm right now lying in my respirator. Lillard got polio when she was five. She's 65 now, which means she spent the last 60 years sleeping in her iron lung, an antique that would be more at home in a museum than here in her bedroom. I call myself the human battery. I get in there and charge at night. Lillard is one of a dozen American polio victims who still rely on their iron lungs to breathe. They would rather end their lives in their iron lungs than replace them with a modern ventilator. They will never make the technology transition. Lillard can breathe on her own during the day, but her lungs are too weak to support her at night. At the end of the day, she seals herself into the tank respirator. Its motorized bellows lower air pressure inside the tank, which expands her lungs and allows her to inhale. Then the machine's pressure rises, and she exhales as her chest contracts. The iron lung is like really like natural breathing. It's refreshing. It's very refreshing. But it's not without risks. A power outage could kill her. She tries to be prepared. She's got a generator at home and keeps a cell phone nearby. Lillard's iron lung is a long yellow cylinder. She lies on a sliding cot. Her head pokes through a foam collar that forms an airtight seal around her neck. I have switches on the inside that I press, and, and that allows the cot to roll out and allows the collar to go up or down so that I can get in and out of the respirator by myself so that I can remain, you know, independent. Lillard can turn her head to watch TV from where she lies. She has a mirror above her head and some mementos to comfort her. There's a little angel over there on the left that my mother gave me. Lillard's iron lung was built in the 40s. It has a fan belt motor and a lot of other automotive parts. It was built to last. Sixty years ago, the iron lung was a symbol of dread. In hospitals, nurses tended children, encased in rows of machines that looked like caskets. The March of Dimes captured the moment. That fear of poliomyelitis had clouded the world for centuries. Parents everywhere kept their children in seclusion when polio was most likely to strike. But there was no safety anywhere. Seems like the At the height of the U.S. polio epidemic after World War II, 
the virus claimed an average of 30,000 new victims each year, including Martha Lillard. It was uh, nine days after my fifth birthday, June 17th, and uh, my neck was killing me. I couldn't raise it from the pillow. It hurt really bad that I just knew I had polio. I just knew it. Polio ravages the central nervous system, and Lillard was among the tiny slice of victims who suffered permanent paralysis. The disease made it impossible to breathe without help. For Lillard, the iron lung felt like a miracle. I just remember as soon as they put me in the rest, I remember waking up and feeling so much better, so much better, because I was breathing, I was getting oxygen. Lillard calls herself a stubborn lady. Doctors said she would never walk again. She did. She learned to drive and was even married for a time. These days, she dotes on her three adopted rescue beagles. Hey, Benji, little guy, come here. What are you doing? What are you doing, Benjamin? Lillard's iron lung has made her life possible. But life in an iron lung also involves compromises and medical risks. Lillard needs an operation to remove a bladder stone, but she won't have one because the hospital won't allow her to use her iron lung. I can't stay out of it. I would be dead. I have no choice in the matter. The iron lung is non-invasive. Lillard has tried the kinds of respirators people use today, devices that use masks or tubes to force oxygen into the lungs. She hated them. She says the air irritated her lungs and sinuses, already inflamed by asthma and polio. And that's not surprising, says John Davies, clinical research coordinator in the Department of Pulmonary Medicine at Duke University. Anybody who probably gets mechanical ventilation has some degree of inflammation anyway. Anything that's not natural with your lungs can cause inflammation. But Davies says he understands where Lillard is coming from. Breathing technology has improved over the years. The issue is whether the patient is willing to try something new. It's a different way of breathing. Now all of a sudden the air is going to be forced into her lungs as opposed to, you know, the negative pressure breath. So I can see why she would be a little bit apprehensive about it. Martha Lillard is used to making trade-offs. She hasn't been able to take a vacation since she was 19. But she doesn't blame her iron lung because when she lies down in the machine, her body feels different. It feels free. I often dream that I'm driving in my own lung. I mean, I'll just be, you know, I'll be going down Kickapoo, and I'll get to an intersection and think, oh, my gosh, no turn indicators. I mean, it's weird, not in the dream, but, I mean, when I wake up, I think, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I've been driving in the respirator. In Oklahoma, I'm Julia Scott. We've checked in with Julia about Martha's health. Martha is still living in Oklahoma and still sleeping in her iron lung. For photos of Martha's iron lung, visit us at transistor.prx.org. Next week, we'll bring you to the Arctic Circle to meet the Indiana Jones of math. If you like these science stories from Transistor, please spread the word. You can find all the audio on transistor.prx.org where you can share episodes on Facebook or Twitter. 
The Transistor team includes me, I'm Genevieve Sponsler, PRX Chief Content Officer John Barth, Erica Lance, and Lily Bowie. Wondering where our scientist hosts are? They'll be back. We are putting together our upcoming season of Transistor with more indie science stories like these and more scientist-hosted episodes. Stay tuned. Transistor is supported by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More at sloan.org. This is PRX.